All right. In this episode of the Park Hills podcast, we're going to dive into Revelation 13, 14, one of the least controversial chapters <laughs> in all of Revelation. And so Pastor Mark and I are going to walk through uh, just some of the things that deal with the Mark of the Beast and such. So if you are enjoying what you're hearing, uh, there's so much more information, whether it's sermons or podcasts available on parkhillschurch.com. Go there, dig in, and tell us what you think. chapters here in Revelation, to say the least. And, and, and they, honestly, they, they were fun to preach, but fun to study as well. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd use also the word frustrating to study because there's so much in here that's, that's complicated. I think what draws my attention here is this 13 verse 8, and all who dwell on earth worship it. That's this beast. And worship it, okay? So it's one thing to go, okay, well, what a great leader, what a, you know. But this is worship. This is like full on. And, and, and prior to that, they're saying, people are saying, who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? And, and yet we get this crazy description, mortal wound that's healed or whatever. Chris, it would seem to me that this doesn't sound like just a an average individual that maybe achieves political prowess. This, this is something much more. And listeners, let me just say this before we begin. Uh, we're just going to throw some wild stuff out there. Okay. Oh and, and, and again, we're not saying any of this is, is concrete, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Chris just to talk a little bit about some what what different things could we be talking about? And maybe even jump all the way back to Genesis six and oh, some boy. interesting things that are happening there. And again, this is just some some wild stuff. We're not saying for a minute that this, these are concrete things, but there's something going on that's causing all who dwell on earth to worship this creature. Talk to talk to us, Chris. Come on, you are unbelievable. By the way, I. Uh, Kind of surprised him with that because we talked about what we were going to do, and that was not what we were going to do. So I'm just trying to see how how Chris stays on his feet here with us. Yeah, and uh, if if I don't work here anymore after this, folks, <laughs> just be aware. So I'll start with this. Revelation, we decided to start teaching this series two years ago. And in the process of preparing for it, I just went searching for as many end times type things as I could find, whether that's books, things like that. You know, I had read portions of Left Behind and seen all the movies and that kind of stuff. And I started looking for other theories, other things. And so some, there's some nonfiction out there. There's some other, you know, uh, fiction type things that are, are, are laid out. The Beast is a unbelie- an unbelievably unique individual. And... There's lots of things that are happening here that we need to deal with. So first off, 
10 horns and seven heads. Some have tried to make a connection between Rome and that. But the problem is, if this is written at the time of Domitian, which we're saying that it is, that's the 12th emperor of Rome up to that point. And that's if you're not counting Julius Caesar, which would have been technically the first, but no one counts him. They always count Augustus, his adopted son. So 10 doesn't make sense. Seven heads doesn't fully make sense unless you're talking about the seven hills, but then that's talked about elsewhere. So any of those theories, I, I usually just push those aside and go, I don't know that this has to do with Rome as much as maybe some have said it does. Others have suggested, you know, that there's some weird things going on, that this is, like you just said, a great political leader who rises to their feet and da-da-da-da-da, they get assassinated or almost, and then they, they rise up and do these great things. Maybe. But any one of those things, when they happen, you, you and I are, we, we've been alive, you know, you just a little longer than I have, even though little, I have way more gray hair. But up to this point, we've been alive for a while. We've watched a lot of political re- leaders rise and fall. Mm-hmm. We've also watched a lot of political leaders make promises that they never were able to keep. And I think almost every single person that I've ever listened to who voted for someone is disappointed with something that that person does. Right? Mm -hmm. Even if you voted for this person because you completely agree with them ideologically, eventually you come to a place where you're just like, ah, I don't know. I don't buy into them. And I think there's going to be a lot more political disappointment coming up one way or another. I think both ways (laughs) or the other. We better not go there. Sorry. I'll put you back. Back on track. But I'm just saying there is – you know, I've never seen someone vote for someone and then later on say they did everything that they said they were going to do and more. And they didn't leave me disappointed in any possible way. Because even if you're the biggest fan of any one of the presidents who's existed in my lifetime, they have said something dumb or they've done something dumb or they've done something that didn't quite line up ideologically. Or many things. And I'm, I'm saying all of this to line us up to this. Imagine an individual who is so perfect on their feet that they never let people down. Yeah, and to the point where they worship him, That's all all who aren't in Christ anyway. That's a guy that people would want to follow. So one of the theories that I I stumbled into, and (laughs) I can't believe you did this to me. Uh, One of the theories that I stumbled into painted a picture that I thought was very unique. And I, I want to throw some of it out here. I'm not going to give you the name. If you, if, you know, if, if people want to dig into this on their own, you can come find me. We can talk it through. I'm being careful because I'm still not totally sure where I, I, I land with this whole thing. But, but when you talk about the beast rising out of the sea, I mentioned in Revelation 12 that this is, that deals with the birth of Christ. And there's a certain amount of stars lining up in just such a way that the Magi would have said, oh, look, a king's being born. They would have gone to that place. If all of that happens just right, someone suggested, imagine if, if 12 through 15 of Revelation is really a parody of who God is, right? We have Father, Son, we have Holy Spirit, and now we have dragon, beast, and beast. If that's a parody, let's go one step further and let's say that all of the stars that lined up at the day that Jesus was born, let's say that that happens again either in the near past or the distant future, whatever. But let's say that, that there's a day coming when all of, the, all of the signs are going to line up just right like they would have in the first place. And think about how Israel dealt with the Messiah. They didn't like him because he didn't free them from Rome, right? That's what they were really upset about. Mm-hmm. Jesus dying on the cross, that, that to them that proved that he wasn't Messiah uh, to the point where they were so mad that he didn't free them from Rome and blah, 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 blah. Okay, now here's the scenario. Let's imagine that there's a day coming and that spiritual beings, the the devil and others who are 
eternal to some extent and have been around since the beginning of when they were created. They've been on earth way longer than any human has. And so they see the stars differently than we do. They understand celestial patterns and astronomical, astronomical signs and all those kind of things better than we do. And let's say that they know there's a date coming that all of the stars are going to line up just like they did on the day of Jesus's birth. And they go, let's create a human being in our image who looks and feels like what the humans really want for a leader. And you go, that's ridiculous. That would never happen. Well, let's rewind the story and let's go back to Genesis three, verse 15. God says, I'm going to give you woman some, a seed that's going to save the world. So let's say that the angelic beings go, we're going to try to create a different version of humanity. And so they rebel against God and they decide that they're going to impregnate women. And we go, that's ridiculous. That would never happen. Well, if we read Genesis Genesis 6, there's a possibility. There's one reading of that that suggests that's exactly what happened, that angels rebelled against God and made a certain version of humanity that was very tall people called the Nephilim, right? And they show up all throughout scripture, the Nephilim, the Rephaim, the Anakim, all of these individuals sort of show up. And what they're defined as is mighty men, great people before the Lord. Huge. And all of the men worship them. And so they, they follow them. They do whatever they want. And you go, that would never happen. And then we go, yeah, but the Philistines are sending this dude named Goliath in to fight Israel. Who was somewhat large. Very, very large. Some might say he had a, a spear the size of a weaver's rod, <laughs> whatever that means. So here's this tall individual, and they're all worshiping this guy because he's their mightiest warrior. Okay, now let's fast forward back to the story in Revelation chapter 13. Let's say that all the stars line up again, and let's say that some angelic beings decide to rebel in a new way, and they decide to impregnate women. Do we live in a society where women go missing and are being trafficked all around the planet? I don't know if you've all noticed what's happening in our culture, but that's a huge problem. So let's say that a group of individuals are creating a baby factory and they are impregnating women so that they all have a baby around a certain date because they know that on that date, it's going to line up with the signs that you see in Revelation. And let's say that there's a prophecy expert or, you know, a person who's maybe not really following Christ, but they, they like running around telling everybody all these things. And let's say that these people have been spilling all these theories and ideas. And so humans, especially, you know, maybe American Christians or any other Christians have all these theories in their head about how this is all going to play out. And they're able to do just enough to manipulate those folks so that they think, oh, I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who does this, this, and this. Now let's imagine that this individual... A, a very handsome, very tall, very confident man. Like, like some might say, you know, a better version of a Mark Balmer, but not much, <laughs> right? I'll get you back for making me go into this whole topic. <laughs> Let's say that this very handsome, charismatic, very large man steps into the scene and frees Israel from, from all of the problems that are happening in the Middle East. And let's say that this individual might even be able to say, I was born on December 25th hmm. and I'm the Messiah. And I'm the one you've all been waiting for. You know, and I know that there are a lot of people who've gone to church their whole life who have never really committed to Christ, who look at that guy and he might have, oh man, maybe he was hit in the head as a baby or as a kid and shouldn't have lived, but did. Mortal wound and survived. Mm-hmm. And so you start looking at all of this 12, 13, 14, 15, there's a possibility that 
there's a much bigger play happening. There's an individual who is going to rise to power who has all of the marks that you would expect the Messiah to have. Notice I'm not saying here that this individual is a, a nasty, evil person, because I think them some, sometimes we paint the Antichrist as that. But as I taught in the Sermon out of Winnebago, and I heard you say something along those lines at Freeport as well, this individual isn't going to be on the face terrible. I think this individual to a Christian is going to look terrible because they're saying things and doing things that are anti-God. But I think they're going to be so charismatic and so wonderful that everyone, except for those who have completely committed their lives to Christ, are going to say, I want to follow that guy. And that guy is 666. He's one number off from what God wants to be, right? He's not 777, which is the all the different times in Scripture that 777 comes up, right? Holy, holy, holy. You've got the seven, uh, you know, the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. You've got all these sevens playing out, and now you've got an individual who's a 666, just less than the ideal, just less than what we're trying to aim for, yet very charismatic, very powerful, very peaceful, and can say, I'm actually not from this planet. My parents are actually, you know, my mom's from this planet, but my, my dad's from somewhere else. When I talked about this theory with someone, I just pointed out, this is like Guardians of the Galaxy. There's, and there's all these little movie references all over the place where they pop up where individuals are, there's a celestial being who sort of impregnates a, a human being and that person becomes a, a mix between human and celestial and they have a power or something that they haven't fully understood. Now imagine this individual rising to power and this individual saying, I am going to lead you all. And by the way, I'm from outer space. At least half of me is. And we don't know any better, but we live in an alien obsessed culture, right? Who's saying, this is great. And this individual comes forward and creates peace and everyone goes, this is what we've been waiting for. And that's the person we're going to worship. And then he says, I want you to put a mark on your body or I want you to, to receive this to say that you're in charge or that I'm in charge and you have to worship me to do it. Uh, I think that's a very compelling possibility of how this might play out. Now, am I sure? No. Am I even convinced? I'm not totally convinced yet. But I'm saying that's more the story that we're giving here versus what often happens is individuals say, imagine the evil epitomized and this is the person. Well, if somebody stood up and like, I want you to kill every human being on the planet, no one's going to follow that guy. But if that person stands up and says, I want everyone to love each other and to be great and I want peace peace. and I want, I want this. And by the way, here's my, my, you know, my genealogy. Yeah. Yeah. And again, our, our goal in doing that and my, me throwing you under the bus is not to create a bunch of uh, (laughs) ideas that this is, this is the case, but I think What's worth considering here is even going back to Revelation thirteen four, and they worship the dragon for he had given his authority right. to the beast. So this is a this is an empowered because Satan is powerful. We, we we have to remember that God is always God is always more powerful, but G- Satan is free to do this. And here he's empowering this character, wh- whomever he he may be. To the point where people uh, worship. Wild to think about. And again, you know, the efforts we've made to say, oh, oh, this, you know, we picked various political people throughout history. Oh, certainly this is the Antichrist. This is the Antichrist. But uh, I think what we're going to see, if we live to see it, it is someone who is incredible to draw people in like this. 
Fascinating, fascinating stuff to talk about. Sorry to throw you under the bus like that. Chris. No, it's it's fine. And again, that it we're not by any means uh, <laughs> advocating that that's exactly what's happening or whatever. It's just a, a fun theory to think about. But obviously, there's something incredibly powerful and alluring about this individual, and to the point where people are going to take that mark of the beast. Amazing here, going back to this concept again that we see of the parody. As so many things seem to be a parody on, on things, and certainly, certainly the mark of the beast being on the forehead and the hands is certainly a parody of the Shema and, and Deuteronomy six, isn't it? Totally, and I think the the parody idea. Most of the parodies that we deal with in our culture are comedies that are making fun of a better version, right? So you have a movie that's made. And then someone makes a parody of it. Usually it's a, it's a comedy that's mocking yeah. that. that. That's part of what parody means. But what a parody really is, is just a less than. And that's the 666 idea versus 777. So when you have the scriptures saying things like, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And mark these things on your doorposts and have them on your right hand and on your forehead. Why wouldn't the beast then mandate I want you to take this mark on your hand or your forehead because that's scriptural. He's making a biblical case. And if you're not smart enough, and I don't mean, I I don't shouldn't question people's IQ. It's more of a wise, wise is probably a better word to use there. If you're not wise enough to see that this individual isn't the one we've, we've given our allegiance to, then you're going to take the mark because you're going to think, Oh, this is, this is great. I love this. Now the problem though is, the mark can come in all sorts of forms and shapes and sizes. But some of the things that we hear online of what the mark is, aren't even close to what the mark really is. Right. Yeah. There's all kinds of theories out there. And actually that, I think that's one of the most common questions that I think Chris and I are getting these days is, is it going to be this chip that's implanted in us? That will be this, is it going to be in the vaccine? Right. And, and uh, that's not a, that's not a new idea. That's actually an old idea. Uh, and and who's to say what it is actually or is not going to be? It's certainly going to be an identification with the enemy. Right. Ultimately, it's saying right. It, it's it's complete allegiance or surrender to that enemy. And if you're not afraid of let's just use COVID nineteen. If you're not afraid of COVID nineteen, but you feel that it is in your best interest to receive the vaccine so that you don't have to suffer the consequences of, of COVID. By the way, just a personal opinion, I'm not a huge proponent of vaccines. I don't think that even if you took a vaccine, it's necessarily going to stop you from getting COVID-19. So I, I just want to put that little disclaimer out there, I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just saying the one, like the one that's being given in, in London right now that they think is, is probably going to do the, the job, they're saying it's only going to keep you safe for two months. So if you're saying I'm going to get vaccine every two months for the rest of my life to stop me from getting a, you know, a virus, that doesn't seem like a sure shot to me. I might be a little more careful than that. But, but let's just say as a Christian, you say, I'm not afraid of the virus. The virus doesn't scare me. However, I, 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 I scientifically, I believe that I want to avoid this virus. So I'm going to get the vaccine. Unless the person giving you the vaccine says you must worship blank to receive this, and if you worship blank, now you receive this and you'll have eternal life in this person. Then you've worshiped someone else. Most of us are not getting a vaccine expecting 
us to be actually be worshiping someone. We're not worshiping someone. We're just, we're, we're accepting a vaccine. Even if they put a chip inside the vaccine, which the, the video that's being thrown around on Facebook right now is from the 1980s. That, that individual was working on a vaccine back in the 1970s telling us don't get vaccines because the vaccines have a chip in them. Folks, I don't know if you've checked your cell phone recently, but it is tracking everything you do. You already have a chip in your hand and you're carrying it around with you. Not only that, but you are telling it everything that you believe about everything. And it's listing. Every article that you post on Facebook, it knows how you land conservative versus liberal. Everything that it is blocking from you, it is doing so because it is telling you what to think and what to do. So if you're like, I don't want the mark of the beast, there's a good chance that if you're using the logic you use for what the mark of the beast is, you're probably already holding it in your hand or in your pocket. (laughs) That's not to say that you should throw your cell phone away, but it's just, let's use wisdom. Let's stop and think this through. If someone steps up and says, I created a vaccine, I am God, you should all worship me. I hope that our church is wise enough to say, I'm not going to do that. That's a bad idea. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. So I don't think that the vaccine is, is the mark of the beast. Now, what we just said, if that does happen, if those very specific set of circumstances, let, let's go to what we were just talking about a minute ago. If an individual who created the vaccine had a mortal head wound as a child stands up and says, I was born on this date and look at all the signs that lined up for me. And I am a tall, handsome individual and I can bring peace to the world. If you follow me, if you worship me, if you get my vaccine, I will feed you. I will comfort you. I will give you what you need for the rest of your life. And by the way, it'll be confirmed with a mark on your hand. That way you never have to pay for your re re up of vaccine. <laughs> if, if that happens, don't do it. It's, it's so clear. Like, that if those set of circumstances happen, you should know that that's not a good idea. I just don't think that's how it's going to play out. Well, and I think ultimately we have to go back to we have an omniscient God who knows our hearts. He knows mm-hmm. if we are his or not. And that's going to be the ultimate thing. I mean, we're going to be we're written in the book because of our faith in Christ. And yep. And that is the difference. And we trust him. So if you trust God, he has sealed you. That's what we learned in the beginning of Revelation. You are sealed in him. You are not going anywhere. Now, that's not to say that we can just run around and do whatever we want, because since he's sealed you, he's your king. You should do what he wants you to do and follow him. But let's be careful with what we're sharing. Let's be careful of what we're consuming. Let's be careful of what we're reading and sharing and committing our lives to because there's a good chance that some of that's more fear-mongering than it is actual legitimate proof. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, for taking us down that road. That was super fun. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Talk to you soon.